0: Good afternoon, seven investors, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of Seven Investing Now. My name is Daniel Brooks Klein, and I'm the host of the program. I'm being joined today by Manisha Sammy and Max Chatsko. This is a busy week for the two of you, as you're attending the virtual version of the annual JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. Max, we'll start with you. How are you holding up? Do I need to send coffee? Do I need to to drone in some uh, five hour energy? How, how, how's it going?
1: Well, Dan, I'm going to give you one more thing to make fun of me about. Uh, I don't actually drink caffeine. I, I drink decaf coffee. Oh, oh come God. on. You just <laughs> own me now. Yes, it's true.
0: Oh, dear. So I'm trying to, to stick with one caffeinated beverage a day. Uh, and if it's coffee, I am. If I go to a Starbucks, I'm actually drinking decaffeinated coffee more often than not. Uh, Manisha, what's your, your beverage of choice? Please tell me you're not drinking like decaf, I don't know, like kombucha or who knows what ridiculous I things are know out there. I do what
2: Matt is doing here. Uh, basically, it's like five cups of coffee a day, and that's how I roll. Uh, right now, if I look tired, it's because I'm only on my like third coffee, not my fifth.
0: <laughs> so we're going to go with a different format today. Of course, we want your questions. We want your comments. Uh, keep it in the healthcare area. If there's something that happened, maybe retail or something, you we really want to talk about target earnings, feel free to ask me a question. But for the most part, let's keep it to healthcare. It's going to be a different show. Max and Manisha each have three things from the JP Morgan conference they're going to talk about, uh, and I'm largely going to to sit back and listen. But before we do that, uh, it's a strange political time, and that kind of deserves some comment. First of all, we do this show at noon. Next Wednesday at noon is the inauguration of the president during an especially tense time. We're going to move 7 Investing now till 11. We're going to go an hour early. We don't want to rob viewers from the inauguration. Of course, we assume you'd stick with us. So we're going to go at 11 o'clock next Wednesday. And uh, second, as we tape this, the uh, the house is voting on a historic second impeachment of the president. That's going to go to the Senate. Nothing is likely to happen until the president's term is ended anyway. But we kind of get besieged by questions. How does this impact the market? Uh, What does this mean for this stock? And here's the reality. There could be some short-term volatility. Uh, We're going to see a change in power to a Democratic president and a just barely Democratic-controlled Congress. Um, And what's that going to mean? It's going to mean a little it's going to mean more votes come up, because McConnell uh, famously kept a lot of things from being voted on, and it doesn't appear that Chuck Schumer, as majority leader, is going to do that. It's going to mean that there's some possibility of, say, regulation of big tech. There could be minor tax changes, but remember, this is a 50-50 Senate and a very close house. You are not going to see big swings in policy, and the same is true with whatever might happen over the next few days. So th- there could be unrest, there could be violence, there reality is that doesn't stop good companies from being good companies. So it's one of those things uh, we say focus on the long term. We'd like you to focus on the long term. With that, we are going to the JP Morgan conference. I'm more familiar with the PF Chang's conference uh, on fast food. Uh, This is one I had never heard of until you guys brought it up, which is probably embarrassing given what I do for a living. But uh, Manisha, quick headline here. Uh, COVID-19 will likely be an endemic play. And I I embarrassingly admitted this before the show. I had to look up the word endemic. Does this mean that we're going to take a COVID-19 vaccine or some variant of it every single year?
2: I think it's very likely. Um, So we've had a number of vaccine makers uh, during JPM uh, comment on that. So they're saying, okay, well, the current version of vaccine It will protect against uh, the current strain of um, the virus and maybe one or two mutations. But after a year or so, uh, Moderna is one of these uh, companies. They're saying, we don't know if our vaccine will work uh, if the virus continues to mutate. Um, So a year or two years from now, we don't know if, if our vaccine will work. And so, right now, they're they're already looking at new formulations of it.
0: So, but is that just like the the flu vaccine, where it sort of just changes every year? And and let me ask, and you can both weigh in. Do companies make money on the flu vaccine, or is this just a very? It's not very expensive, so I can't imagine there's a there's a big margin there.
1: I... No, there's there's some specialty stuff, right? Like I think is it Tamiflu, or um, that was like a blockbuster. Actually, that was like over a billion dollars.
0: Ta- Tamiflu. Tamiflu was a treatment, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, maybe I'm mixing it up. There's a couple. There's one that's like a specialty, like pan flu vaccine or treatment. uh, But, you know, so there's opportunities there in in terms of profitability or margins. Yeah, you're right. It's probably not a huge opportunity. And not that I'm BioNTech or Moderna, (laughs) but I don't think it's actually going to be endemic. I think this will probably be enough to snuff it out. I mean, what are they going to say? They're the ones making the vaccines. They want to keep it going, right?
0: (laughs) So Manisha, and you also brought up here, if if there are new vaccine procedures that can get vaccines to market this quickly, is that going to be a game changer?
2: I think that, so for mRNA-based uh, vaccines, you have a six-week lead way to actually uh, have a new vaccine that is ready to be distributed. Um, it can be a game changer, uh, but Again, I don't know. A lot of people don't want to get vaccines. There's that whole other side of the political paradigm here.
1: It's interesting. This is, um, you know, Moderna, when it was a, a startup, received a lot of funding from DARPA uh, on, like, special programs that seemed so far out in the future years ago, right? How can you make a vaccine as quickly as possible? And it's like, oh, that's another silly DARPA program. And then here we are, 2021. Hey, how quickly can you make those vaccines? Um, so, you know, Moderna's already talking about uh, maybe using its technology for flu vaccines and and just way more efficient production and manufacturing. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I think we'll see this, uh, you know, mRNA technologies and Moderna is not the only one by any means. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, this should become more of the standard really for vaccinations.
0: Max, I'll throw that. Go ahead, Manisha. Then I'll I'll jump back to Max.
2: (laughs) Sure. Um, I just wanted to add in there. I, I think there will be multiple biotech companies that come out with a, vaccine for COVID-19, especially ones that were a bit slower to enroll patients but not. But it's not that hard to make a vaccine. It's fairly simple. So you just need to have the enrollment there and get your studies underway and make sure that it works, so we'll see.
0: I've offered to buy Max a blender and a Bunsen burner or whatever he needs to make us a vaccine, but he has so far said no. Max, let me ask a question. Is this going to lead to infrastructure changes? Are we going to see, say, the CVSs and the Walgreens of the world invest in, I don't know, better freezers or really ramp up their ability to like have vaccine appointments? Getting a flu shot right now is pretty easy. I could walk right over to Target about half a mile away. There's a CVS, and I'm pointing upstairs because it's, it's up a flight of stairs. There's a CVS. And I could probably immediately right now get a flu vaccine. Do you see that being the case with sort of just vaccines becoming something that, you know, is now much more on people's mind?
1: I actually see the opposite. So I think the tech will have to adapt to the infrastructure that we have. So that's kind of one of the big, like, you know, uh, downsides of the uh, BioNTech and Pfizer vaccine, right? Because it requires like very ultra cold storage. The Moderna vaccine can be distributed by pharmacies. And that's the one that is being distributed by pharmacies. So I think it's the other way around, Uh, you know, technology that's going to be have the most uh, commercial potential uh, will just be the ones that already like plug and play into what we have already. Right. So things that can be, you know, uh, stable for a long time at room temperature so that, you know, CVS doesn't have to go and buy crazy negative 80 degrees Celsius freezers. Right. They don't they don't want to do that. (laughs)
0: And and I brought this up before. I also see we're going to see some sort of a tech shift because it's embarrassing how they're handling the sort of line for vaccinations right now. Here in Florida, you have to send an email with your information and like, And not everyone over 65 is super email savvy, but like, and then there's no real system for it for and you know, we've talked about this before. There's off the shelf software for like $30 that would get this done and we'd be pretty easy to use. But moving on, Max here, uh, you know, thank you. You said pan flu, and of course, I cannot get my head off Zamfir, the master of the pan flute, who used to advertise uh, on late nights uh, to buy his CDs back when CDs were a thing. But Max, you wanted to talk about adaptive biotechnologies and AstraZeneca. Uh, they're working together on, uh, I assume, you say next generation diagnostics. I assume they're working together for good and not evil.
1: Yes, good, not evil. Um. <laughs> So uh, a lot of people, a lot of investors are really enamored with liquid biopsy space, right? Even Dan, Dan texts me at like 3 a.m. <laughs> He's like, hey, did you see this new thing that came out? And i was like, Dan, I'm sleeping. Go away. I'll talk to you in the morning. Um, so you know, liquid biopsies are all about detecting uh, important biomarkers and detecting signals uh, from you know cancer tumors before other methods can, or as accurately as other methods can right now. That's the idea. Um, so adaptive biotechnologies is kind of working on a similar. A technology platform, uh, but not just in cancer, it can be used across pretty much any disease. And trying to uh, decipher, you know, what your immune system's doing—does it have immunity to different things? Uh, so, for instance, it has something called T Detect, uh, and that's a COVID test, but it doesn't detect neutralizing antibodies, which can actually wane over time, even if you're still immune to the coronavirus. Uh, detect something called T cells, which are a much uh, more accurate way to go about it. Um, So you can have T cells circulating and not antibodies. And um, so the T detect test was actually way more accurate uh, at detecting who's been exposed to the coronavirus uh, than antibody tests were in a study. So that's about to hit the market. Maybe it's already on the market right now, Um, but that same technology is going to be used by AstraZeneca uh, (coughs) um, in, in cancer applications right now. And it could lead to again, more T cell tests for cancer. So it could be, a uh, very novel way to get some next generation diagnostics on the market. It also helps to validate um, adaptive biotechnology's approach uh, to how it's building out its pipelines. So it has testing, it has diagnostic tests for different uh, applications. It also has its own drug uh, pipeline. So uh, it's a company I've been watching pretty closely. And uh, this is more good news for adaptive biotechnology.
0: Max, let me jump in here. Is this gonna change how we go to the doctor? i mean i've I've had physicals for you know, whatever forty something years, and you go and they they you know check your breathing, they look in your ears, they look in your nose, couple other things. you they they take a blood test, uh, you know, you pee in a cup. It's all pretty much the same. Is this gonna be we go take a couple of tests and like we come in and there's a report card telling us like all the diseases we have and what we don't. and uh, d- is this gonna be a wholesale shift?
1: Yeah, I think this is going to, you know, in time, like multiple companies, but certainly something like an adaptive biotechnology, right? Because you go and get a blood test and they can count or kind of sort of try to quantify what, uh, you know, populations of blood cells you have and how accurate are those, right? They can get all clogged up. I actually had a test a couple of years ago um, and I got a call like Saturday morning uh, from my doctor and she was on her cell phone. She said, you need to go to the emergency room right now. And I was like, why? She's like, do you have a sore throat or anything? I was like, No. She's like, you don't have any T cells. You need to go. You need to, you need to get in now. So I went to the emergency room. They put me, this is before the pandemic, in a quarantine room. Everybody came with a mask and like shields and stuff. And I was like, oh, what? And then I got a blood test. It turned out they just screwed up the test at my doctor's office, right? But uh, it later cost me like two grand. Thanks a lot, American healthcare system. Um, sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> dear, dear God, I don't know that I would have survived that, and I most certainly wouldn't have told my mother had that happened because that 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 is my absolute most terrifying go-to-the-doctor feel is, you know, you, you feel fine, and they're like, no, 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 like, you have to go to the emergency room right now. We're going to move back to Manisha here, but we are talking the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. That's going on as we speak. We're actually pulling Max and Manisha out of the conference. They probably needed a break anyway. <laughs> As these these virtual conferences are just miserable, I, it, it's virtual CES as well, and I've mostly been following live blogs and media coverage. I just I, it's not as appealing to me remotely. But Manisha, you're saying Illumina has lost its edge, or it's losing its edge. Uh, there's more private DNA sequencing companies emerging. Uh, emerging, they're the they're the leader. They created this path, yeah. but they may not be keeping up. That's uh,
2: at one point it was very. It was easy to say, hey, Illumina is going to be the long term winner. And they had uh, short read sequencing. So basically, reading uh, your DNA in kind of short or shorter sequences and then we uh, put it or basically putting it together afterwards. But um, what I'm seeing right now, and so Illumina actually yesterday, uh, the CEO uh, had a presentation. Um, they feel very defensive right now. Um, they reacquired GRAIL, uh, which is for their liquid biopsy um, system. I think we'll, we'll talk about liquid biopsies at some point, but uh, so I won't go into too much detail, but they uh, divested from it. And the fact that they bought it back uh, with a great premium shows me that uh, strategy wise, they're not sure what to do. And um, not only that, uh, but during this JPM period, they've made quite a few smaller um, partnerships, so to speak. Uh, Again, not their core competency, but just here's a diagnostic that will help you with. Um, so some of these companies included Merck, uh, Cura Oncology, um, and even larger companies like Eli Lilly, uh, again, I think they're afraid that they're losing their kind of core franchise. So they're not the best at sequencing anymore, in my opinion, or maybe they still are, but there are other technologies that are competing with them.
1: Yeah. It always seemed odd to me, right? Like Illumina was always priced. Like, I, I don't know what it's at now, right? $50 billion market cap. Um, but even, like, before the pandemic in this crazy bull market, it was at, like, a $40 billion market cap. So the total global sequencing market is measured in, like, you know, maybe $4, $5, 6000000000 billion total. So it just seemed weird. Like, everybody <laughs> pricing in Illumin as if it, like, won the future forever and it would never change. Uh, but the way that Illumin has lowered the cost of sequencing is with some funny math And also by building larger and larger machines. And that's not the future, right? Biology is going more distributed. You want to have smaller machines. You want to take advantage of more computing power. So long read or even nanoport do that. Illumina does not uh, with short read. So, you know, it's going to have some niche applications, I think, with like maybe some diagnostics here and there. But increasingly, the the information we want to get out of the genome when you go to the doctor, Dan, uh, is, you know, from technology platforms like what Pacific Biosciences has or what Oxford Nanopore has. Um, So Illumina is kind of like falling behind in in terms of where the field is moving.
0: So Max, let me me jump in. I think of this, and and tell me if it applies in biotech. I think of this as the Starbucks dilemma. So Starbucks spends all this money uh, developing mobile and order and pay. Then they prove it works by spending all the marketing money to roll it out, And then Dunkin' Donuts goes, okay, let's add mobile order and pay. And it's not hard to do second. And I know science doesn't exactly work that way, but that puts a pressure on the leader to then come up with something new and something new and something new. Is that sort of the way this is working in the biotech space?
1: Well, I think Illumina created, like, they showed that sequencing had a a commercial uh, opportunity. Um, You know, I think everybody always wanted coffee, right, before Starbucks and and Dunkin' (laughs) Donuts, right? Right. Uh, so sequencing wasn't a thing like 20 years ago so Illumina kind of created the market but now other companies are uh taking advantage of the market and and doing it better with better technology better data and hopefully cheaper tests uh so I think that's going to leave Illumina behind
0: you are watching seven investing now the only show that will ever try to link starbucks mobile and order order and pay to (laughs) dna sequencing uh Max, you wanted to talk about, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this right, Beijing and Novartis collaborating. Uh, so they're working together. Is it an album? Is it What are they working on?
1: Yeah, it's a new country album. Uh, no, I think it's uh, Beijing. Is that, Manisha, is that how you say it? Like Beijing, but Beijing. Okay. You got it. So, uh, Beijing and Novartis announced a collaboration for uh, a drug that's already approved in the Chinese market. Uh, and Beijing is going to get $650 million up front. So that's a huge amount of money to get up front. And again, it's because of the maturity uh, of this asset. Uh, but you know, this announcement and a couple others that Beijing's made recently, um, kind of making me think, uh, you know, so I've always been a little more skeptical of Beijing. I'm just not someone who invests in the Chinese market. I don't see the opportunity there. I think the risks are way bigger, uh, and they're not going to go away just because we have a, a you know, a new administration coming up. I think this is going to be a rough decade for us, China relations. Um, so I don't want any exposure or as little as possible to China in my portfolio. Um, but you can't knock. You know this company is executing. It's handling everything within its control, um, and it just keeps signing up the largest companies in the world. You know, um, Novartis. It has a partnership with Amgen, a couple others. So you know it is executing. And you know if you do want exposure to the Chinese market, this is a good company to, to give us some more a deeper look into. Um, so big announcement from Beijing.
0: So. We see some of your comments. Please get more in. Max and Manisha, if you want to share with me in the private part of the chat, if there's any of those you'd like to take, we'll do that towards the end of the program. So there's still time. Ask us some questions. Happy to talk to you. Manisha, your next one here, and we are talking the J.P. Morgan conference. Um, I know some of these words. Uh, I don't know how they exactly apply. Edit loses its CEO, and blue will split in two. Uh, And it says Max is going to comment, but Manisha, I'll give you the first word here.
2: Sure. Um uh, so I did have a type of there the CSO so Editas is one of the three primary um CRISPR editing companies. Uh they've seen a lot of turnover uh in the past I would say two years. So uh they lost their CFO at one point. Also their CEO uh was replaced by someone um, on the board and now they Well, the CSO right now is retiring. So uh, nothing scandalous there, but I I will say it gives me a bit of a pause um, as you're entering clinical trials and readouts. uh, This is a huge shift in my opinion. And I think having a company where management is steady is very important for a new technology. Um, So we'll see.
0: Max, we'll kick it to you here.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think most of the time investors do make a little bit too much when, you know, management shifts or someone leaves. I mean, there's in biotech, too. I mean, you know, sometimes it's easier to go work at a nice new startup and get a bunch of stock options or something. Right. But this is Editas Medicine. This is a a leading CRISPR company um, and they've had more turnover than others. Um, So, you know, if it was a leader in the field or everything was um, sound or, you know, the opportunities there for the future were, were or sound and on solid footing, I don't think you'd see this much turnover. So I think it is something to, uh, you know, maybe a a bit of a red flag here for investors. Um, And, you know, Manish and I've talked about this privately. I don't think we, uh, I'm not too confident in the company's approach, uh, the technical approach they're taking. So uh, we'll see how that plays out.
0: We're working through the JP Morgan conference. We got one more to go. Then we're gonna talk about uh, what Max and Manisha are looking forward to in the coming days. Uh, And in theory, we will take some of your questions. I am not familiar with many of the companies named, so I don't wanna necessarily throw them out there unless one of you uh, in the private chat lets me know you'd like to talk about it. But Max, you wanted to talk about privately held verb therapeutics. This one's exciting. They released a preclinical update for reducing cholesterol levels with genetic medicines. Does this mean I could switch to a bacon and cheeseburger diet, and there'll just be a pill that can keep my cholesterol in check?
1: Yes, Stan. Exactly what that means. Um, restrictions apply. So Verb Therapeutics is privately held. It's still early stage, uh, but it's a CRISPR base editing company, right? So something similar like a Beam Therapeutics. Uh, so it reported preclinical data in non-human primates. Uh, but one treatment of its uh, gene editor, or base editor, I should say, uh, reduced LDLC cholesterol by 61% six months later. Uh, so this was for people who have a certain um, mutation, I believe. Um, so they're currently going after uh, a certain type of disease. I can't pronounce it. I'm not going to try. Uh, but it's different from a lot of the rare diseases that uh, genetic medicines are going after. It affects about 1 in 200 people. Uh, So it's not quite a rare disease, uh, I wouldn't say. Um, And this is, you know, showing that genetic medicines are moving into more complex diseases or diseases that are uh, affecting more of the population. Um, So I think that means the FDA is going to be way more, uh, they're going to set a higher bar and a higher standard. You know, as you put this in more people, they want to make sure that you're getting everything right uh, in terms of manufacturing, in terms of understanding if there's off-target effects. Um, You know, everyone says there's no off-target effects. I've seen studies where some of those are further away than where they're looking. So I don't know. It seems like a big question mark to me. But um, you know, so, but this is interesting, right? I mean, one shot you can reduce your cholesterol levels permanently, forever. That's pretty nice. I'll take that.
0: <laughs> it, uh, you know, there there are times when we do these shows where obviously I'm in over my head. I don't understand this stuff. But as someone who is pretty optimistic in general. I kind of feel like don't get hit by a bus and maybe I can live forever. Like you see all this. And I know that that's an exaggeration, but I think it is exciting to know that all of these things are being worked on. And so many people can in theory eventually be helped. I mean, you know, the idea that we're going to have things that right now are deadly become not deadly or things that are debilitating become not debilitating. That is really, really exciting. You of course are watching seven investing. Now we are about half of the team. We are three out of seven of the lead advisors for 7investing. And what is 7investing? It is a subscription-based service. We're at the heart of it. You give us $17 a month. Do that through our website. Don't give us in the street $17 a month. Give us $17 a month, and we will send you our seven best stock picks each month. Each of us, each of us makes one pick, and we write a big, long thing about it, explaining every aspect of it. We have a giant phone call. where We all spend 15 minutes. and always goes to like 30 or 40 each where we present to the team and then answer questions. So not only do you get the bull case for each stock, you also get the bear questions. You get the full picture of our thesis of our convictions. How do you join? You join by going to seveninvesting.com slash subscribe. We appreciate you doing it. On Friday this week we're doing our call for new members. That's a private zoom just for new members. We're doing our members only call where we look back at some of our picks just for our members. Uh, Max is working on a puppet show that he's going to be presenting for members. Uh, it's mostly biotech, but it's also a little bit rom-com. We're going to be, no, there's a lot of stuff that our members get, and we're very excited for it. Uh, we're going to take some of your questions here. turth P says, are there any good biotech ETF names? Um, ETFs having quality biotech names? There are, but Manisha, you've got some other thoughts here.
2: I think it's A lot more fun and fulfilling to follow individual stock names. Um, That's what I do. Uh, So I will say I would over 90 percent of my personal portfolio is all biotech names and they're individually selected and I position size it the way I want to. And part of it is because I know what they're doing, and I'm keeping track of it. Uh, with ETFs, I think what you're seeing is that you don't exactly know what you're betting on. Um, you don't. You're not part of the selection process. So I like having that uh, kind of selection power. Um, so when it comes to biotech, I think know exactly where you're going in on, and If you feel confident, then just follow the name. Uh, I think you'll get dividends from there.
0: I'm lucky enough that I, of course, am a 7investing subscriber in addition to to working here. We all get a free subscription for working here. And I've created my own, uh, I'll call it the Manamax uh, ETF, where I buy either Max's or Manisha's pick every month, sometimes both, but they don't always pick biotech. So I'm sort of creating my own little investment portfolio in biotech. And I don't have to follow those companies because if something changes about those companies, then Max or Manisha will tell me and they will tell our members and we might do something different. But we don't tell you to sell all that often. We are very long term investors. So really, the only time we tell you to sell is if something really changed. Max, I'm going to throw it to you. I'll let you take one question you want to answer before we move into. To what we're looking forward to coming up at the conference.
1: Yeah. So um, let's see. Adam Calhoun asks, any thoughts on the TGTX uh, presentations That's TG Therapeutics? Uh, I've been watching TG Therapeutics for a while um, and, you know, it had a, a pretty good end of the year in 2020. Uh, stock popped quite a bit there. Um, so it's it has a multiple myeloma or <clears throat> multiple sclerosis antibody rather. Uh, and it also has some interesting like double combos and triple combos in some uh, blood cancers. Um, so it's actually interesting to me. I mean, we're talking all about cell therapy, changing the paradigm uh, and treating some of these uh, you know, blood cancers, these liquid tumors. Uh, and then here they come up with a double and triple combo um, that are you know, delivering some complete responses in almost 100 percent of patients. I mean, that's pretty wild. That's pretty crazy. Um, and they're getting durable responses. So it's definitely a company that I'm watching pretty closely.
0: Thank you for your questions. We might grab a few others as we close out, but we still have a lot of show left. Max, Manisha, and we'll start with uh, we'll start with Max here. What are you looking forward to? What's left in this conference? Normally, it would be like the cocktail parties, some of the final keynotes. Uh, none of those things. You know, the the awkward mixers where for some reason it's like a conference. And I go to a lot of conferences. The conference full of like middle aged people, but for some for some reason, like Danger Mouse is performing. and It's very uncomfortable. Uh, but anyway, Max, what are you looking forward to as we move into the end of the conference here?
1: Yeah, so uh, the conference ends tomorrow. So there's, well, we're about halfway through. Um, you know, I think most of the larger companies, right, the Illuminas, the thingy Genies, all those, uh, they've already kind of announced what they're going to announce. So my focus going uh, through the end of this now is going to be on the smaller companies, even some privately held companies. Uh, they're presenting... Maybe they have some additional news or products or updates to announce. Um, so I think that's where the focus turns for just about everybody else. Right. So, you know, can they garner attention from investors if they're uh, publicly traded? Um, given the market we're in, does that create even more volatility? Right. If they're a smaller company, uh, are they going to you know go up or down by some crazy amount? Uh, and then for privately held companies, are there going to be more IPOs or SPAC attacks or whatever you want to call it? Right. More companies going public. Um So that's what I'm watching for the next couple of days. Smaller companies, my focus.
0: Manisha, what are you looking forward to?
2: I just want to echo what Max said. Um, I'm definitely looking at, well, not even just smaller companies, uh, but uh, private companies. So there are at least 20 SPACs that are looking for a merger. So which which companies look the most enticing? Uh, I want to be on top of that. Um, I think sequencing right now, we are seeing a lot of changes there. So I think hardware and diagnostics, um, we'll see a lot of that going into 2021. Um, so that's an area that I want to focus my attention towards. Um, and especially uh, single cell sequencing, imaging, and whatnot, um, I think that's going to be a very interesting area. Um, as far as drug pricing goes, that's a that's always a conversation. you always have panels on that. I will always be listening to those um, because we are seeing some life changing therapies that are being improved. and the next thing we need to figure out is well, how do we afford these therapies that are that are life changing? Um,
0: we'll be following up the conference uh. On on next week's program or one of the programs next week, and of course we'll let Max and Manisha pick one biotech procedure for me to get live on air, uh, and we'll do a very special episode. Uh, we probably legally cannot do that. Adam Calhoun says, "By the way, I love seven investing and really appreciate the access. We absolutely appreciate you, Adam. Uh, you know, thank you." That J. E. says, "I'm going to make my HSA all biotech." Um, Can you invest the money in your HSA? I wasn't even aware you could do that. (laughs)
1: That Yes, they they let you go in like ETFs. Or uh, I have some Vanguard in my HSA. Um, I might not do that, (laughs) but uh, with biotech or some of those ETFs, some of those ETFs are driving a current biotech bubble.
2: Wait, Matt, unless you pick the stock picks that we have. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, true, but I don't think you can pick individual stocks in your in your HSA. But uh, so I would, I would be cautious about biotech ETFs right now. They are uh, driving some crazy valuations, and I think it's causing a lot of people to buy the tickers in there without understanding what they're getting into. And I don't think it's going to end well. So be careful
0: and be really careful with that. Uh, I saw some questions about NanoX and uh, you know some other companies that are on the speculative side, and just know what you're getting. You know, it, it's we 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 have. Many friends in our world that that are on one side of that, but everyone agrees it's risky. So when you're buying a risky early stage company keep it accordingly small in in your portfolio. You basically want to be in a scenario where if four of five little bets you had fail, it's not that big a deal if one of them succeeds. So for some of these smaller, these earlier stage stocks, go carefully. That's why I'm buying small stakes in a lot of different stocks. And I consider it like a whole separate basket of my portfolio. And, And I think of it as the, I don't even think about this. Every now and then I look over and I go like, why is this thing that I don't even know what the ticker symbol stands for up 932, percent today. Oh wait, now it's down 400. Like like these can be really volatile, but it is now time to hit our finisher. Sam Bailey, if you could share the graphic, we would appreciate it. Which of these areas will see the first 100 billion dollar company? Max wrote this question. Cell therapy, about 19.4% of you said that. Genetic medicine, 39.3%. That was the winner. Genetic testing, 25.7%. Liquid biopsy, 15.6%. Max, I'll give you the first word, given that it was your question.
1: Yeah, I actually had trouble filling this out. Uh, it's a good question if I say so much. Um, I actually went with liquid biopsy, which was the last one on there. I just think the market there is going to mature more quickly. I, don't, I think there will be other $100 billion companies in all of these. Um, genetic medicine is tough. $100 billion company, a $100 billion drug company, those are kind of rare, but maybe, I don't know. Right? Manisha, no?
0: <laughs> I, Manisha, your thoughts.
2: I actually picked genetic medicines. Um, okay. I, and for a number of reasons, um, there's a lot that, can fall into that bucket, right? So you have RNA medicines, you have uh, gene editing and whatnot. So all of those uh, types of modalities to treat patients falls into one thing. And right now we are seeing high sticker prices. So I don't see why these companies wanna be trading at higher valuations. Um, Is there gonna be one company that really succeeds? Who knows? Uh, but I think everyone's looking for the next Regeneron. So I think it's possible.
0: With that, we are gonna close down this edition of Seven Investing Now. Let's remind everyone again, a week from today, we're gonna go at 11 o'clock so as not to step on the inauguration. So a special one hour earlier edition. How do you get in touch with us? It is really easy info at seven that's our email it's usually steve Symington, but he passes them out to all of us so we can all answer your questions and of course we are all on twitter but the company account is at seven investing please follow us on twitter sign up for our youtube tell your friends we are a, a word of mouth this is not a company that spends billions of dollars on marketing this is a company that's growing and succeeding because of all of you and we thank you for it with that from Manisha Sami, for Max Chatzko, I am Dan Klein. We'll see you Friday.
2: A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.